Glad you guys are here this morning. My name is Mitchell Welch. I'm the college pastor here at Antioch, and I get the privilege to speak to you guys. I've been the college pastor for the last four and a half years, and I love my job. I love you college students. I know, like uh, Chris said earlier, this is the last Sunday you guys are going to be with us for about five weeks now, and I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I'm so proud of you guys. It's been an incredible, action-packed semester, and we've seen God do so much, and you guys were a part of it. So proud of you guys, love y'all so much, and I'm excited for y'all to get a break in December. Anybody excited for finals to be over? Anybody? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to take a little bit of break when you guys leave town, too. All right. Uh, it's going to be a good morning. I also have the privilege to be married to the most wonderful woman in the world right here in the front row, Beth Welch. She's amazing. Been married for six and a half years. We also have two amazing red-headed boys. We've got Josiah, who's five and a half, and we have Micah, who's about to turn three, and we got a third one on the way in the belly. So, is that okay? Whoops. <laughs> I think we're tall enough, people. All right, so we're having another one. It's good stuff. All right. How many of you guys uh, were here last Sunday when we started our new series? Raise your hand. Last Sunday. Anybody? Anybody? All right. Not very many. Okay, I'm going to give two sermons here. This is awesome. Well, last week we started a series titled The Promise of Christmas. The Promise of Christmas. And through this series, we're looking at the Christmas account found in the book of Luke, chapter 1 and 2. If you have a Bible, you can actually go ahead and start turning there. The book of Luke, chapter 1. And through the series, we're just diving into this story, and we're pulling out different things that we can learn from the story and hopefully apply to our life. And after hearing Tyler start us off last week, there's a scripture that came to my mind that is kind of my prayer and my hope throughout this whole series. It's from Hebrews 10, verse 23. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You guys know that God is faithful to his promises. You guys believe that? He's so faithful. And this whole Christmas story is just a big old massive promise that God gave us many years before, and he was faithful to fulfill it. So I'm believing that God's going to really speak to us through this series. Uh, before we get into the meat of the message, though, let me ask a few questions, and I'm going to need your participation, okay? So feel free to answer. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of you guys love the Christmas season? Raise your hand real quick. You just love this. All right. How many of you guys, hands down, it's your favorite time of the year, for sure? All right. Nice. Okay. Let me ask this question. What kind of emotions does the Christmas season seem to um, uh, give us? Y'all just shout them out. What kind of emotion? Joy. What else? Excitement. Excitement. Thankfulness. Hope. Thankfulness. Love. Love. Eggnog. It's <laughs> not an emotion, but that's all right. What did you say, Mark? Nostalgia. Nostalgia. That's, I don't know what that means. Anyways. <laughs> Anything else? Anybody over here? Generosity. All right. My wife likes to say coziness. It's just such a cozy time of the year. You're just wrapping our blanket by a fire. It's great. So there are all sorts of like positive emotions, like you guys said, joy, love, peace, thankfulness. But also, unfortunately, sometimes there's some negative emotions that come out of the Christmas time. It could be stress, anxiety, relational tension. It could be greed. And my least favorite of all is this thing called entitlement. <laughs> Everybody say the word entitlement. Entitlement. Okay, here's what entitlement means. It's the belief that one is inherently deserving of certain privileges or special treatment. 
Now, unfortunately, there's some entitlement in my life. Great example, when the Lord convicted me of this, was about four years ago. We were in Abilene, Texas. Anybody here from Abilene? Nobody. All right. Thank you, Lord, for Abilene. Uh, Send more Aggies from Abilene, Lord, in Jesus' name. All right. Uh, We were there, and we were there for a wedding, and we stayed overnight in a hotel, and I wake up in the morning to go have breakfast and to spend some time with God, and I walk into the breakfast area, and I'm looking around, and unfortunately, what was going on inside of me, I was grumbling and complaining because I looked, and I was like, oh, there's no hot breakfast here. Man, all we got these pastries. Who knows how long they've been sitting there? Then we got some yogurt in there. No one wants that. And then cereal. I mean, one of the few options was Fruit Loops. And then I sit down, get my breakfast, and I start being, you know, uh, holy, and I start reading the Bible, <clears throat> spend time with Jesus. And then about literally five minutes later, there's this little, like, eight-year-old girl and her dad that walk into the breakfast area, and she walks in, looks at all the food, and her eyes just get really big. And she's like, Dad, look at all this food. They've got pastries, they've got some yogurt, and Dad, they even have Fruit Loops. And the dad was not just being nice. He was like genuinely like, man, isn't this awesome? This is so great. And as I'm spending time with Jesus, I just closed my Bible and just repented. God, I'm so sorry for being such an arrogant fool. Anyways, so the Lord really convicted me of entitlement. And I'm thankful for that situation because I just had this underlying belief that I deserve, you know, a hot breakfast. As I continue to sit there and kind of overhear some of the conversation, it, it appeared that this, uh, this dad and her eight-year-old daughter were kind of underprivileged. And so it could be true that they probably didn't have breakfast most mornings, and they're really thankful. So here's the point. What's one of the things I learned? Anything can be an absolute blessing and privilege if we see it with the right perspective. If we understand that we actually don't deserve anything, <laughs> um, and that everything that God gives us is a blessing and a gift from him. So it's a hard lesson to learn. Now, my hope... Um, is in the midst of all the gifts that we may receive during this Christmas time that God would show us that we have actually lots and lots of gifts every single day that just we don't even think about, maybe because we're blinded by a little bit of entitlement. Uh, There's actually a video we have that we're going to show you that hopefully will open your eyes to all the many myriad of different gifts that God has given us in this Christmas season. So you all turn your attention to the screen. I'm alive! I'm alive! Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Honey, the power works! It's coming! It goes on and off! Whatever we want! We've got clean water! Oh, that's great. Look at that. Ooh. I bet I know what this does. Bring down the glorious water. Ah, shoes. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Our food. Mm, I love food. A beef beef? Maybe I have work? This is awesome. Look at him. Dude, the what? Jack, be careful! Oh, I have a car! Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car! Oh, a car! <laughs> and don't forget your coffee! You're the best. 
good stuff, huh? Amen, amen. <laughs> Funny, but also <laughs> pretty convicting of just all the many things God has blessed us with. You guys know you are blessed by the Lord. God has given you so, so, so much. And I want to say this way, <laughs> like God, what he gives us, we don't deserve. We don't deserve it. God blesses every single day. There's plenty of people all over the world that don't have clean water, that don't have shoes, that don't have all these things that you just watch on the screen. But I mean, like how many of us are actively thanking the Lord every second of every day when we like realize we have these blessings? It's very convicting for me. God has so graciously provided for us and he gives us so much. Now, um, the, the phrase, God gives us what we don't deserve, that's my definition for a word that I, I call mercy. Okay, everybody say the word mercy. mercy. That's actually where we're going this morning. The title of this message is Remember His Mercy. In the passage in Luke chapter 1 that we're about to look at and dive into, there's this little line found in verse 54 that Mary says, she says, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. So this Christmas story that we're diving into um, is about God's faithfulness to his promises, but it's also a great display of the mercy of God. Let me say it this way. It's a great display of God giving us all these things that we don't deserve um, this Christmas season. And my hope is that we remember his mercy. Why? Because when we understand just a little bit of God's mercy over our lives, it's gonna cause us to live a life of thankfulness, a life of worship, and a life of praise, which is what we're gonna see Mary here in this story gonna look at responding to and she understands God's mercy. So once you guys pray with me real quick, I'm going, to believe, I'm going to pray that God would do that in our hearts. He would help us remember his mercy, and then we'd walk out of here just so thankful this morning. So God, thank you for just your presence and your spirit that is here in this room with us. Thank you for an incredible opportunity, literally, just to be in this room this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would help us understand your mercy today. As we look at this story, and God, this is so much bigger than just a story about a cute little nativity scene. This is about something so much bigger. You are faithful to your promises, and you have given us so much mercy. Lord, I pray that today we all would leave here filled with your Holy Spirit, filled with a fresh thankfulness in our heart. I pray layer upon layer of entitlement would be gone in Jesus' name, and that, God, we would be a thankful people as we go into this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Okay, so we're in Luke chapter 1. Last week, if you were here with us, Tyler preached on, uh, I believe it was verses uh, 26 to 38. It's the story of uh, Mary having this interaction with an angel named Gabriel. Today, I'm going to be focusing on verse 39 through 56. And let me first catch us up to speed here, because this story of Mary uh, talking with the angel Gabriel is a pretty interesting conversation here, okay? So track with me. Gabriel shows up to Mary. Mary is a virgin, and he says, hey, Mary, I know you're a virgin and all, but you're about to become pregnant. Okay, no big deal. And then he says, not only this baby that's going to be in your belly is just a normal baby, this baby is actually going to be the son of God. Not just the son of God, he's actually going to save and rescue the entire world. Oh, and he's going to rule and reign over a kingdom that will never end. No big deal. Just want to let you know, you know, that's the baby that's in your belly. Now, the craziest part of the story, you know what Mary says? Let it be done to me according to your word. 
I would be freaking out if this situation was happening to me. One, because it would be weird, because I'm a dude. I would not be pregnant. <laughs> Two, I'd be like, you got the wrong guy. The woman over there. And then, it's just, what? This is crazy, thinking about this story. This is one of the, I believe, one of the greatest miracles that's recorded in the Bible. Right above it, there's this little phrase, for nothing shall be impossible with God. You think of the incredible miracles that happen all throughout the Bible, and you think, oh, that's probably where that phrase, nothing is impossible. No, this phrase is right here, when a virgin becomes pregnant. That's a miracle. That's crazy. I'd be freaking out. But how many of you guys know, when God speaks something to us, even if it sounds crazy, he is faithful to bring it to pass. And he's faithful. We can trust him. He will fulfill his promises. All right, let's shift gears here and go to the next part of the story. So after this dialogue with an angel, and the story goes on in verse 39 of Luke 1. And it says this. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud voice, which means she started yelling, and she said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Let me pause there. Right after this interaction, Mary goes on to um, sing a song of praise. Let's think about this interaction for a second, okay? It's kind of strange. Mary shows up. She says, hi. Elizabeth hears it, baby leaps, and then she just gets kind of whacked with the Holy Spirit and gets filled up. And then she turns and starts yelling at Mary, you're amazing, you're so blessed, yes, this is awesome. And then Mary, of course, what you would do in this setting, she just starts singing, oh, glory. This is weird, okay, this is a little bit strange. Okay, here's what I learned from this story. When you have two pregnant women in the same room, you just don't know what to expect sometimes, okay? <clears throat> Second thing I learned from this story is found in verse 43. Elizabeth said, why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. She asked the question, why me? There's already an understanding here of the mercy of God because a right response when you're starting to sense that the mercy of God's on you is, Lord, why me? Another way to say it is, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be a part of this incredible, miraculous story of Jesus, the Son of God coming. Like, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't deserve this. She says, why me? And I want to encourage us to have that kind of response when we think about the things that God gives us and lets us be a part of his Lord, why me? Now, let's keep going with this story. We're going to go starting in verse 46. This is the song that Mary begins to sing. She says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humblest state of his servant for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from the thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of what? His mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned 
to her home. So there's this song of praise. One of the responses of Elizabeth was, why me, Lord? When she understands the mercy of God, the, the response of Mary was just a song of praise and a song of worship. And what we're gonna do the rest of our time, we're gonna dive into this song that she begins to sing. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna pull out from this passage what three kind of common ways that God shows his mercy to us as his people. And my hope is that in this season, we would remember God's mercy in all these different variety of ways. Here we go. God shows us his mercy through these three words. Get ready. Through his provision. Everybody say provision. provision. Through his intervention. Say intervention. Amen. And through his salvation. Say salvation. salvation. Awesome. Let's start with that first one. God shows his mercy through his provision. In verse 53, there's this little phrase that Mary says in this song. He has filled the hungry with good things. Guys, God has provided so much for us. How many of you guys have eaten food today? Raise your hand real quick. Awesome. How many of you guys plan to eat food today? And you have a plan to make that happen. How many of you are thinking about that plan right now? Just kidding. <laughs> Actually, please stop thinking about that. This is going to be good. Um, God is so merciful. How many of you guys have clothes to wear today? It would be awkward if you did not, okay, and you're here. How many of you guys have taken breaths today? Oh, me too. Are you okay back there? You didn't raise your hand. Just kidding. <laughs> guys, hopefully the video that we watched just a minute ago shows us, oh my goodness, there's so many things every single day that God has provided for us and given us. And he is, it's a display of his mercy that he would bless us with so much. And I want us to go into this Christmas season so thankful it's like overwhelming with thankfulness because of all that God's provided for us. So here's an idea that I want to challenge you guys to do. Is sometime today or tomorrow, sit down, even if it's five minutes, and I want you just to write out, list out, if you just get to 10 things that God has provided for you in your life. Just write them out. And then the next step is take those, that list of 10 things, and every morning when you wake up, start your morning by saying, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you that I just slept in a bed all night. Thank you, Lord, that I have breath in my lungs now. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in school and I have a final today. Thank you, God, that you allowed me to be at Texas A&M, a prestigious university. Thank you, Lord, for my professor that I don't like. Thank you, God, that I'm married. Thank you, God, if I'm not married. Thank you, God, if I have kids. Thank you if I don't have kids. Just begin to thank the Lord, and I think what's gonna happen is God's gonna shift our perspective. He's gonna fill us with thankfulness, and I think all of you want to enter into this season with a fresh thankfulness. Am I right or am I right? Just say, say, you're right, Mitchell. Good, good. God has shown us his mercy, so let's rem remember it uh, this season as we think about the ways God's provided for us. Okay, second uh, way that God shows mercy, his intervention. Okay, there's three little phrases that Mary says in this song. Verse 49 says, he who is mighty has done great things for me. A couple of verses later, 51 says that he's shown strength with his arm. Do you guys know that God is strong? I asked Micah the other day, my almost three-year-old, said, hey, Micah, who's stronger, you or Jesus? He's like, me. <laughs> I said, uh, no, me or uh, Jesus? He's like, me. He's like, okay, buddy, guess what? Jesus is even stronger than daddy. And he just kind of looks up, oh, no way. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know I'm strong, but yeah, Jesus is stronger. All right. 52 says that God's brought down the mighty. So it goes on in 54, it says that he's helped us, so He's helped us, brought down the mighty, shown strength with his arm, and he's done mighty things for us. All this is speaking of his intervention in our life. Here's how uh, intervention is defined according to Mr. Webster. 
The act of interfering with the outcome or course, especially of a condition or process, as to prevent harm or improve functioning. Guys, God has displayed mercy to us by intervening on our behalf. Just, I want you to think for a second, how has God intervened on behalf of me? I don't know about you guys, I asked myself that question and I realized, oh my goodness, God has intervened on my behalf big time throughout my life. As I'm looking at this definition, Webster said there's two types of intervention or two main types there's, uh, that it listed was educational intervention and the other one it listed was medical or surgical intervention. And as I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, I definitely have <laughs> experiences with both of those. For sure, educational. The fact that I'm standing here, graduated from Texas A&M, shows you that God has had lots of intervention on my behalf to allow me to stand here. Here's an example. My freshman year, first semester, any freshmen? First semester in here? About to finish it? Yeah, you're almost there. How many more finals? One, two, five. Way to go, Ben. All right. Uh, my freshman year, first semester, I almost got kicked out of the university because my grades were so low. But God intervened on my behalf. So here's the example. I took intro to psychology my freshman year, and uh, we had three exams, and then our final. First exam came back, I made a 42. Not great for your first college exam. Next one comes out, I made a 70-something. Next one comes out, I made a something. And uh, <laughs> the way they would post it online is we'd take the exam, they'd post it, we had like a code, you know, and they would like, you know, there'd be all the list of grades, the code there. And then the month go by for the next exam, then they'd post it a couple days after we take it. And then the month goes by and they post it again. And so every time, I looked at this several times, and every time I looked at it, it was 40, 70, and something else. And then I'm like about to take a final and I'm like trying to calculate, you know, can I even pass this class with this final? And when I look back and pull the screen that I'd looked at like 10 or 15 times, I looked at that first grade again and it said 80 something. And I like looked at it again and again and again and again. I was like, that's an eight, that's not a four, that's amazing. So I was like freaking out, what just happened? But I like had this, uh, you know, uh, integrity crisis. Should I just accept it and say nothing or what, what do I do? And so I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna go talk to my professor just in case I'm wrong or whatever's happening. And so I meet up with my professor, tell her the situation. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. She starts pulling up her computer. She finds out there's another Mitchell in the class. I was like, oh, this is not going good. <laughs> um, and then she like looks at it, says, that's interesting. And then she just kind of looks up at me. She's like, why did you come tell me? I was like, oh, I just want to be honest. She's like, whatever, you can keep the grade. And I was like, for real? Actually, I didn't ask for many questions. I just said, see ya, I'm out. <laughs> I'll see you at the final. And I passed the class, hallelujah, it's awesome. You don't need to know what I made on the final, but I passed the class, all right? This was God's educational intervention on my behalf. We also have a, uh, an incredible, my wife and I have an incredible story of God's intervention uh, with the other category, medical or surgical. Um, it's with the story of our first son, Josiah, being born. He was, um, he's five and a half now. He was born over two months premature, and he weighed a whopping one pound, 15 ounces when he was born. There were some complications when he was in the womb where he just was not receiving the nutrients that he needed from the, from the placenta, and he wasn't growing. <clears throat> Side note to the story is when we found this out, I happened to be in Uganda. That's, that's in Africa. It's kind of far away. <laughs> the story goes that Tyler and Ashley asked us to lead a mission trip for two weeks. We said yes, but a month later, found out Beth's pregnant. So we talked about it, prayed through it. We decided, okay, I'm going to go, leave with somebody else. Beth will stay here so nothing happens to the baby while we're gone. 
and I, this, the dates where we'd be back by the end of June, we'd have like a full two months before the baby comes so we could prepare for our first child. I land in Uganda, and about six hours later, get a phone call from Tyler that told me the bad news, that there's something happening with the baby, and Beth has to be rushed to the Scott and White in Temple, Texas, and I might have to do an emergency C-section uh, in 48 to 72 hours. And I'm in Uganda. Okay. So needless to say, I was pretty broken, but I literally fell on my knee, started weeping, and just started praying. God, have mercy. God, have mercy. Somehow we got to talk through one person holding a phone another, to a computer that was on Skype to me on this Ugandan cell phone. I don't know how that worked, but we talked a little bit and began praying. But this story, the most, probably the hardest thing we've ever walked through has actually turned into one of our greatest and most powerful testimonies because of God's intervention through the process. And it wasn't just a one-time thing where God interfered with the outcome. There were multiple things that we saw God do, okay? So one, I was able to make it back to Texas, be in temple before they had to do the C-section. That was awesome. But even in that process, I show up to the airport in Uganda Kind of pull out my ticket. The lady's like, how long have you been here in Uganda? I was like, uh, about 20 hours. He's like, you're already going back. So I start tearing up a little bit and telling her the story. But this is what the Ugandan lady in her beautiful Ugandan accent that I don't have said. She like, like, like she was about to pull something out of her finger or out of her pocket. And it was her finger. <laughs> and she points at me and starts prophesying. She says, in the name of Jesus, your wife and your son are going to be just fine. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, it was touching. I cried. I was like, yes, I believe it. I walk through the gates. I sit down. It happens to be there's a missionary family that was on two out of the three connecting flights that I had to get back here. And uh, they, I told them the story. They were there to comfort me, to pray for me, to encourage me. That was amazing because I needed encouragement in that time. Didn't really have access uh, talking with very many folks. And then, then you bring up the, the healing of Josiah. So it was thing after thing after thing. He was still in the womb. They were able to monitor him for about a week uh, before they had to do the C-section. And one of the things was there was, the doctors said ultrasound. They can see some fluid in the kidneys, which could be a sign of XYZ problem or this syndrome or that thing. And so the doctor told us, this is what we see. So then we began to pray. God, would you heal his kidneys? God, would you remove that? God, would you have mercy on him? Two days later, they do another ultrasound. The doctor comes back. That's weird. All the fluid in the kidneys is gone. I said, yeah, it is gone. Then another situation was babies are supposed to practice um, breathing right about 30, 31, 32 weeks in the womb, which is right where uh, Beth was. And we didn't see any signs of him practicing breathing with his lungs uh, through ultrasound. So the doctors told us that. And so we begin to pray, God, would you heal his lungs? Would you have breath in his lungs? God, have mercy on him. Two days later, they do another ultrasound, and I'm sitting there next to Beth, looking at the screen as the doctor's looking at it for the first time, too. And then we, he says, oh, there's his lungs. And then he says, what do you know? They're moving a lot. It's just boom, 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 breathing, 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 practice, practice. So God healed his lungs. I was like, yes, Lord, keep going. And I mean, the greatest testimony of all is that he's here today, five and a half years old, strong, healthy, and a mighty man of God. He helped me preach the gospel in India just a couple months ago. This guy is on fire for the Lord, and he's going to bring great, great damage to the kingdom of darkness. As the enemy tried to steal him away, the enemy's going to pay for that. And uh, just so thankful for Josiah's life. And then, I mean, there's all sorts of other ways that God intervened. We just so happened to meet the Sanchez family just two weeks before this happened. They're a family in our church who lived in Temple at that time. 
but just so happened at the exact time that we were shipped to Temple, they both had internships in College Station and were looking for somebody to stay at their house to water their grass. And we said, you know, I think we could water your grass. So we stayed at a house for free for like two months. And then we had our community here praying, fasting for us. They would come and visit us. They would buy us meals. They would encourage us, write us notes. Somebody just handed us a wad of cash. Guys, it was all God's hand of intervention on our family's life. And the greatest tragedy turned into our greatest testimony because of God's mercy. Because of his mercy. You know one of my biggest takeaways in this whole story is God didn't have to do that for us. He didn't have to, but he did. And we have Josiah, and we have an incredible story of God's faithfulness. So here's my question to you. Where has God been faithful to show you mercy? Where has he intervened on your behalf? Think about it. Remember it. And then celebrate his goodness and his mercy to you, and then tell everybody you know. Here's how God's been faithful to me. This is going to encourage many others. All right. Last but not least, God has shown mercy to us through salvation. Everybody say salvation. salvation. There's a little line in here that uh, Mary says at the beginning, verse 47. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My Savior. There's lots of different things she could have said in this moment, but she chose to say my Savior. She could have said my deliverer, my rock, my strength, my friend, my Lord, but she said my Savior because it's really clear what Jesus came to do to save us. Save us from what? Anybody know? From our sins and the consequence of our sins. The Bible is clear that we need salvation. Does anybody know that? (laughs) That it's not just, you know, here you go. You don't really need it, but here you go. I died for you. No, we desperately needed Jesus to die on the cross. Do you know this? The Bible says in Romans 3, um, or Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death. And because of our sins, we deserve death. And we also, not just a physical, but a spiritual death, a separation from God forever. That's what we deserve. There's another passage in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2 that I think really clearly shows us what we deserve because of our sins and what God gives us. And let me also, for this point, redefine mercy. I told you earlier that my definition for mercy is God giving us what we don't deserve. But when it comes to the topic of salvation, I I redefine it. I say, mercy is God giving us the exact opposite of what we deserve. Let me show you what I mean. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2. It'll be on the screen behind me. Verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Let me stop there. Because of our sinful living, we deserve, rightfully so, the wrath of God. That's what it says according to this verse right here. But let's keep going. Look at verse four. But God, being rich in what? Rich in what? Rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, don't miss these next two verses. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. 
It's not because you deserved it. <laughs> it is the gift of God. It's the mercy of God. It's not a result of works that no one can boast. Guys, we deserved wrath, but God gave us the opposite of what we deserve, and he gave us his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, and he took all our sins away. Now and we can just spend eternity with them forever in heaven. Is that good news to anybody else? This is awesome. I had this sticky note on my office, which is like right past those doors a while back, and uh, it was two sticky notes. Uh, sticky noses. Sticky notes. There you go. And on the front one, it said, hey, you want to hear some good news? And then I would lift it up, and on the back one, it said, you're not going to hell anymore. So anytime I was having a bad day, I would just, <laughs> I need some good news. Oh, Thank you, Lord. I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Guys, that's good news. Puts us in a little perspective that God has had so much mercy. Let me read one more little passage uh, from Ephesians 2, verse 12 and 13. It, it, it brings us back to this whole theme of this morning, which is remembering his mercy. Verse 12 of Ephesians 2 says, remember. Everybody say, remember. Remember, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Guys, this is good news. <laughs> we have a lot of reason to be thankful and to celebrate and to remember God's mercy, whether it's through salvation. If you've been following Jesus for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, today remember that he saved your soul and washed you clean from your sin. If you're here today and you... Um, just are new to your faith, remember, don't get far away from what Jesus did on the cross for us. <laughs> Stay close, remember it every single day. Or if you're here in this room and you have never intentionally put your faith and trust in the mercy of God that he displayed by dying for you and taking away your sins, then let today be your day. This is a free gift. You cannot des deserve it. You can't earn it. This is a, a gift from the Lord. And I encourage you, if you're here today and haven't ever received this, then receive it today. God loves to show mercy and wants to give you salvation today. Let's stand on our feet this morning.